podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. The boys are back, and folks, we got something special for you all. Joining us today is a Wildcat legend. He played for three different coaches, and he was one of the mainstays, bringing K-State basketball from the dark ages to the rebirth. Not only is he now an elite high school basketball coach in Oklahoma, but still to this day, he is the only Wildcat to start in victories in both Allen Fieldhouse and Bramlage Coliseum versus the Jayhawks. Something I hope we don't have to say much longer, but that is a stat that holds true. He was number five on the court, and I know number one in so many folks' hearts. It is the man, the myth, the legend, now head coach, Clint Stewart, Clint, how are you doing, my friend? And how has the last, I don't know, let, let's say the last six to eight months been for you, uh, you know, being the head coach down in Bartlesville and having a five-star recruit who has uh, had nationwide, uh, you know, attention, but he's landed at your alma mater. We'll talk more about that later, but how, how great is it to kind of get back in touch in case state fans you know, really showing you a little bit more love probably over the last six to eight months, uh, you know, since the days you were playing. Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been great. It's been amazing, you know, these last, um, you know, really this last year with, with David and college coaches coming in um, to Bartlesville. If you don't know a lot about Bartlesville, about a town of 30,000 or so. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I had my going in my 10th year now as a, as a head coach at Bartlesville, you know, we haven't had any Division One um, player, you know, or a player go go to Division One. So David's going to be the first, and um, it's just been amazing, you know, having big time coaches like Coach Tang, um, Bill Self, um, Porter Mosier, um, Mike Boyton, you know, coming into town, coming into practice, um, sitting through practice. Um, it's just been amazing for our community, for our school. Obviously, recruiting David for me, uh, talking through some memories. You know, it's kind of funny with Bill Self because, you know, with his time obviously at KU. So he actually recruited me when he was at Illinois and this was right before he took the KU job. And when he got the KU job, um, you know, they had enough guards that he, you know, he stopped recruiting me out of high school. Um, but it, there's so many stories has kind of taken me back through um, the whole process and what it was like and, and different things that happened in my playing days um, and to what things are today. You know, I've had a lot of memories and uh, reminiscing about a lot of things over this last year. And so it's been a lot of fun and, like I said, it's very fortunate to have a player like David and his talent and ability uh, to be able to get recruited at a high level. And, and obviously, I'm very excited about him uh, choosing Kansas State. Yeah, so so David, I, I believe, is the number three top uh, recruit K-State basketball has ever grabbed. Uh, but I went back through and, and, and I saw a couple of different rankings. Where do you think you rank uh, it, it, for K-State? Because you you are ranked uh, amongst the, the top, and I'll give you a range. You're, you're at least top 30. Where did where do you think according to two four seven where where do you think you ended up landing? 
<laughs> top thirty. Now this is this is for like all time recruiting. Kansas well, State? since the internet age, so so since recruiting yeah, rankings were around, okay. so I, I think it started oh, back man. in like two thousand seven or no, two thousand three. Hey. I think was the first year. Okay, okay. So since two thousand three, I, I would have put me out outside the top fifty. So I'll live anywhere in top thirty. Sounds great to me. I'm a. Uh, uh, let's say let's say number thirty. <laughs> I, I think I saw you at number twenty-two. So you're inside the wow, top twenty-five. Wow. So the, the way Jerome Tang's recruiting, you might not be there much longer. <laughs> no, so exactly. you need to enjoy. But but let's talk about your recruiting experience. Uh, you, you end up in Manhattan with Jim Waldridge, who I, who I think you know. I think uh, K State fans. I think the coach before them, Tom Asbury. Everyone hated Tom, but I I, I think regardless of what happened on the court, no one had anything bad to say about uh, coach Woldridge, what was your experience with him and what, what brought you to K state, uh, you know, all those years ago? Yeah, man, coach Woldridge, man, he um, really connected with, with me and, and with my family, you know, and that's what I, that's why I came to K state. I mean, um, you know, just a genuine guy. Uh, I remember him telling my mom, um, you know, she wouldn't have to worry about me. He would make sure that, you know, not only me, but all the players were, were taken care of. Um, and obviously I remember going over to his house multiple times for team dinners and, and things of that nature. And, um, I loved him. I mean, he, he, um, you know, we, we obviously didn't have enough success in those first two years, but I really did feel like we were on the trajectory, you know, and, and obviously the, the class before me with Cartier Martin, um, Des Willingham, who, who ended up leaving Lance Harris, um, you know, had a really good recruiting class. And then when I came in, me and Fred Pete, um, you know, and, and thought that we were kind of moving in the right direction, you know, and I remember, you know, that that year um, that, you know, Woodridge got let go, you know, we thought we were right there on the cusp of making the NIT, you know, and we're like, all right, we make the NIT this year, you know, next year we'll make the NCAA tournament and play well. And, you know, it was just unfortunate. It wasn't, it wasn't you know, it wasn't meant to be. It wasn't in due time. Um, and so, you know, things kind of happened there. But I love Coach Woodridge, his whole staff, keep in contact. Um, I've talked to him several times. Um, over the past few years, um, Coach Elgis, one of his lead recruiters, is the head coach at Henderson State, um, and they actually play in a tournament. It used to be here in Bartlesville, their their um, uh, Division Two conference tournament, and so I'd see him every single year and then connect with him. And I actually, just reached out to him about a week ago, and so I um, love that staff and very grateful that they brought me to Kansas State, and so uh, thankful for them. Yeah, and Jim Woldridge, the last coach to get a win in Allen Fieldhouse, you're on that team. I was in Allen Fieldhouse, uh, you know, a, a young uh, Wildcat sitting amongst uh, my family. My mom was a, is a Jayhawk fan. Her her uh, sisters and my grandfather, they had four season tickets. My Christmas gift from one of my aunts that year was the K-State KU ticket in Allen Fieldhouse. So I was in Allen Fieldhouse for that game. I've been lucky enough to go to so many different K-State games, uh, you know, as a student, season ticket holder, postseason, all that type of stuff. But that's still up there as one of my all-time favorite games in person. What do you remember from that game as a player? And, uh, you know, I, I believe you – it, it was uh, – I think you and Cartier Martin were the only two who got into double-digit uh, scoring for the Cats because it was a low-scoring game. I think it, it, was, it was. Uh, in the 50s, great defense as well. But what, what do you remember from that game? Yeah, 59-55, I believe it was. And – um I remember, I think I had 15, Cartier had 14. Um, Skylar Thomas, who was a walk-on, came in that game and just played tremendously for us, made some shots in the second half. I remember KU went 3-2 zone at one point in time, and I, me and Skylar maybe hit back-to-back threes. Um, we ran flex offense and got some really good looks out of it. Um, you know, it was a very simplistic game for us, but we defended. Uh, you know, we were down. 
I think early and, and battled back and, and just got stops when we needed to scored when when we needed to. And it was a, it was a tremendous road win for us. And after the game, there's still a gif out there of me like popping my Jersey around Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, but I'll never forget that, um, that moment. And like I said, you know, still to this day being, you know, one of the few um, K-Staters to have a win in there, you know, especially over the past, you know, 30 years or so, um, you know, and it means a lot, a lot to me. And then, it's grateful to be able to bring it home for us. And, and it was a fun night. And so here's another thing. After that game, uh, I get a text from um, you know, my girlfriend or video. It's now my wife, right? <laughs> but uh, and she's like, like, you know, whole Aggieville is packed, crowded, going crazy. And she's like hanging out of a car, like what are you said, a number five jersey on her hands up. And I'm just like, this, this is wild. Like, let's get back there. You know, and so uh, it, was just, it was a great night for, for all of K-State. What was it like being a student athlete at K-State, having some of those big wins before the dawn of like social media? Like it, it was still a thing. And like you said, uh, phones started having pictures, started having cameras, but it wasn't like it is today. Every single, you know, street corner, it's TMZ, you know, it it, it is, uh, you know, anything can, can go viral at any moment. What was it like, especially maybe those first two years before the national spotlight came back to K-State basketball? being a student athlete at K-State during that time. Yeah, I mean, it, it was good. Like I said, it, it was a little bit different, though, than, than obviously what it is now, you know, and, um, you know, for better or for worse. Um, but, you know, I, I thought it was still a time, you know, when you don't know, I guess, you know, when we're in it, you don't you don't know that it's going to be different, you know, two years or, you know, what things were, whatever, 15 years ago versus the, what they are now. Um, you know, I, I just remember, um, you know, obviously having the opportunity to play, and for us, every game was big, every game meant something. Um, you know, whether it was in the national spotlight or not, you know, we obviously didn't have Twitter and Instagram. You know, I think Facebook was just becoming, you know, live in 2004, 2005. Um, you know, so that was kind of the first social media app or um, platform. And, and, and so, um, but, it, you know, it, it still was a time for us that, you know, we didn't know any different. And so everything still felt like, you know, probably like it does today, even though it's a lot different, you know, today, because, um, you know, you can't do anything without it getting you know, blasted on the internet or, or everyone knows about it and, and things of that nature. So you do have to be a little bit more cautious of it probably now than what, you know, what we had to be about 15, 20 years ago. So, so going back to uh, the sophomore season, how, how'd you guys find out that coach Woldridge was getting let go? Uh, I believe uh, the final game was a loss versus Texas tech. I think in the uh, big 12 uh, tournament it happened quickly after that. How, how quick after that game did you guys know that that was probably the end for uh, coach Woldridge? Yeah, man. And I, and I hated that. You know, I, you know, we found out basically while we're in the locker room and, um, you know, right after the game, he came into the locker room, it took him a little bit to come into the locker room. So I'm, I'm guessing, uh, you know, obviously the, the news got to him, you know, before he came into the locker room and, you know, when, when you lose a game, what people don't understand, you know, at, at the end of the season, the last game, potentially last game of the season, you know, we, we thought we maybe had a chance to make the NIT. We didn't know. Um, but when you lose a game like that, obviously there's a lot of emotions um, of the season either being over or possibly being over. Um, you know, you start, you know, thinking about what could I have done differently in the game that you just played. Um, you start thinking about reflecting back on just the entire season. Um, you know, the guys that are in the locker room that you're no longer going to have the opportunity to play with. Um, you know, what guys that are still here that might not be here next year because they might transfer. And so there's, there's a lot of emotions that go into it. Um, so I would have liked for that to happen, 
you know, give us a, a few days, right, and, and let us kind of wrap up this emotion with our coach who's been there with us every single day. And and people probably, I don't know if they remember this, but, you know, he had, um, like, neck surgery, you know, that year. I mean, he, he had to wear a neck brace for half of the year, um, you, you know, and so he went through a lot that year. And to find out right after the last game, I know that was tough for him. It's tough for the players as well, um, you know, but um, that's, you know, it's the nature of the business sometimes, and uh, you just got to roll with it, uh, you know, as best as you can and, and hope for the best. Before we get into uh, how, how we found out about uh, Coach Huggins coming around, we got to give a shout out to our sponsor, Manhattan Brewing Company. Manhattan Brewing Company now distributing in the Kansas City area where I'm at. So I think the most logical step is to get it down in Oklahoma. So, Clint, you could go to your local liquor store and get some delicious Tang Party, uh, the there beer named go. after Coach Jerome Tang. Heck, who knows? Maybe we need to get you up and get a beer named after you as well. Uh, Manhattan Brewing Company, always 10 or more beers on tap, a fully stocked bar the next time you're in Manhattan. And like I said, now distributing to Kansas City, Lawrence, and they were already in the entire state. Uh, it was about time they came to my neck of the woods in Kansas City. Uh, so I remember here, I, I remember listening to sports talk radio. Yes, I was a weird kid who listened to sports talk radio, uh, you know, before I was, you know, even a teenager. Uh, that's probably why I have a podcast to this day. I remember hearing the name Bob Huggins pop, popping up. I'm thinking to myself, no way, that, that that's not going to happen. How did that coaching search go for you as a player at that time? Are, are you hearing stuff in town? Are you hearing stuff from the athletic department offices? What's it like? And then do you remember your first thoughts when you're like, oh, man, could, could Bob Huggins, a future Hall of Famer, be our next head coach? Yeah, you know, and, and a lot of it was quiet, you know, for for a little bit in time and um, I do remember um, Tim Weiser was the AD and he came in and talked to us back in the locker room once we got back to Manhattan about um, the coaching search. And, it, you know, it wasn't going to be a long one. It was going to be a quick one. Um, he was going to find that next coach. And, of course, Coach Huggins um, coming off, um, you know, some stuff that happened in Cincinnati and obviously looking for a new opportunity, new new beginnings. Um, you know, we didn't know who the coach was going to be. Um, obviously, we you know, we we're hoping it'd be a, a great coach to come in and you know, get us over the hump to where we wanted to go. And I, I remember, um, actually, I think I was at home. So I was back home um, during the time and seeing it come across the ESPN ticker on the bottom that Bob Huggins is, you know, just accepted or being named the new Kansas State head basketball coach. It's like, wait, what? Yeah, no one, we didn't even know about it, right? And so I don't you know, it was like, wait, do we, I think I had like TiVo at that time, right? Like stuff that's out now, wasn't out back then. It was like TiVo was the first, you know, DVR. So I was like, wait, re rewind that, you know, it was a Bob Huggins, you know, first, you know, our K-State head coach. And so that's how I found out, right? And then, of course, shortly after, um, you know, getting back on campus and things, obviously Huggins there and had conversations um, with with him. But um, I was excited about it. You know, I think some people at that time thought that I might, you know, I had some people close to me that thought that I might transfer out, um, you know, just because of how close I was with Coach Wildridge and that staff. Um, but I also knew that, you know, Huggins, um, with his resume and, and the things that he was able to do prior to coming to Kansas State, um, you know, I, I'm all about hard work. And even though I might not have been the prototypical guard that he recruits, um, I knew that I could show him my abilities and there was a place for me to, you know, add to the team and to help the team go win, you know. And so that's kind of where my head was. It's like, all right, it's no different for me. Let's go in. I'm going to go work hard. I'm going to go prove to him that I should be on the floor. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that he came in and then pushed us to new heights. And I learned so much. Uh, especially on the defensive end, you know, from him and, and and things that he came in and taught. But I'll tell you what, it was hard. <laughs> it was really, really hard. 
And, uh, you know, not, not only just the basketball aspect, but even the, the weightlifting aspect was totally different. Um, you know, and so uh, it was nice, though, because I, I finally could go lay out on the beach and feel real confident in my body after, you know, working out with uh, Coach Scott Greenwald, our new strength coach at that point in time. So um, it was really hard, but it obviously it, it paid off. Do you remember what maybe was your first like, oh, shit moment, like with a Bob Huggins practice or was it or preseason workout? What what was that first like, oh, shit. OK, this is this is going to be a little different. Yeah. So I, so one of our first practices um, he let us know right away that he didn't recruit us. You know, you you guys were not recruited by me. And um, so it, it, you can either leave or understand this is going to be my way. And so you got to get on board. Right. But uh, of course he didn't say it as nicely as I just said it. Right. <laughs> uh, but I mean, he was very much, you know, he came in and knew that he wanted to change, you know, the culture to, to what he wanted it to be. Um, and what he, you know, what he knew was successful and what has you know brought him success in the, in the in the past. And so he let us know that right from the beginning. And I remember there was one of the um, skill development sessions that, I mean, he just ripped me. I mean, I, I tell people, I mean, he, he got after me and, you know, um, and basically like I said, let me know that I wasn't his type of player and, and things of that nature. And, and um, that, that was kind of the moment, the making or breaking point for me where I had to decide, um, you know, I could do one or two things, right. I could take that personally and, and run from it. Um, or I could take the criticism that was pointed towards my direction and turn it into positive and say, all right, let me go show you what type of player I am. Right. And, um, and, and, and that's this kind of person I was. And so for me, it was, it was a great moment because it, it made me very uncomfortable, but that's also where you can grow the most. And I felt like that moment of him just getting into me during that practice really helped my overall growth, um, and allowed me to propel and, and obviously play well for him, play well my junior year. Um, earn a starting spot back because I started off the season. I, I didn't start until the Big 12 um, conference play kind of started after the first or second game. And I earned it. I mean, I had to go and truly earn it because he recruited, you know, at that point in time, he recruited two point guards, um, Blake Young and uh, called Murder Maybank, Jermaine May Maybank, right? And so those were guys, those were his guys, right? He recruited them to play over me. And I had to go say, okay, there is a spot for me and I'm going to go earn it, right? And so um, I loved it, man. I, I loved it and uh, challenged me and it, it was great. So what was it like during that time, uh, you know, and I want to focus on uh, the the recruiting part of it first, but then talk about uh, the new spotlight on K-State basketball. But uh, K-State fans remember, you know, hey, Beasley came in, Bill Walker came in, Jacob Pullen came in, Dominique Sutton came in, but also in that recruiting class, you know, at one point, Kevin Love, at one point, O.J. Mayo, and, and folk, they, they almost instantly – committed because you know uh the the coaching staff that came in you know there, there's a lot of rumors around it but who cares about that what what was it like being at k-state and seeing like oh man like you know we're about to be rolling like eight five stars deep you know if all these guys stay committed this next year what was it like being a player on that team before that recruiting class was supposed to come in yeah so so let me let me take it to when mike mike came in on his official visit and um i i knew you know, I didn't know a lot about Mike, obviously. And, when, and here's the thing that people don't understand. When you're in college and there's high school recruits coming in, no matter what they are, five-star, four-star, you know, like if you're already a two- or three-year, you know, junior, senior, what a sophomore in college, like your mindset is, all right, it's, it's, a, it's a high school kid. I don't, I don't care, right? Like that's cool, but I'm better than a high school kid, right? Um, and so when Mike came in and we heard all this hoopla about Mike, we didn't know much about him, obviously knew he was number one, you know, high school kid and, and, and that nature. Um, but 
there wasn't a lot of, you know, still 2008, there was some film, but it's not film like it is today where you can just go on YouTube and find all kinds of stuff on guys like, Ooh, Oh yeah. Okay. And so he came into his visit and he played with us and we started playing and, and Mike was getting a little bit heated in, in the game that we were playing. And, uh, but as we started playing, we quickly figured out like, okay, this kid is the real deal. You know, like, all right, he's a, he's a senior in high school, but he's the real deal. Uh, but the moment I knew what type of player he would be is we're playing and he gets heated. And I can't remember if it was, he's bickering maybe with David Hoskins or, or something. And um, it's kind of going back and forth. And Mike's mom is there, Fatima Smith. She's there sitting in the stands and she yells. Now we're playing. This is, you know, we're thinking to ourselves, we're grown men out here. Right. And she yells at Mike, Michael, Michael, you stop that shit. You stop it right now. We're all look up there like, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like what does your mom is yelling down at you on the court like right now like telling you like stop that and just play basketball it's like okay all right she keeps him in check and he and then she makes sure that he you know he has the right mindset and not get gets caught on all this other stuff and like you know keeps keeps him straight and it was just like wow like for his mom to even have that confidence in front of everybody in that gym to yell at him and tell him like stop stop that right now I'm your mama <laughs> you know uh, it was it was an interesting moment for me, but it made me kind of realize the dynamic of who he was, where he came from, how much his mom like you know believed in him, but also had his back, but also made sure that she kind of helped him in certain situations, which I thought was really important for Mike. Um, it also made sense why his whole family moved to Manhattan as well, right when 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 he got there. Uh, but it just kind of set up that dynamic of all right, man, his, his family means a lot to him, you know, and then they're, they're close knit uh, family. Um, and like I said, we knew on the court when he got there, like, man, this guy is, he's phenomenal, you know, he's phenomenal. And then of course with Bill coming in. So interesting thing about Bill is we had our, one of our first practices that Bill was able to practice with us and uh, me as a point guard, you know, I'm hearing, okay, this guy can jump out the gym, blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. Let's see if he can really jump out the gym. So we're in practice and then I make a, a move kind of towards the rim. Bill's cutting baseline and I throw him the alley-oop. Now it might've been the worst pass that I probably made all season in that alley-oop, but Bill jumps up and catches it almost at the top of the backboard and then just lays it in. And that was the moment I was like, okay, this is going to be totally different. <laughs> you know, like, like I played with some athletic guys, but not like this, you know? And so um, it, it was just, it was, an, it was amazing obviously to have uh, the talent that, that came in there. Um, you know, obviously when Huggins came in, bringing in talent, Frank Martin, um, you know, keeping the talent that, that committed to us to, to come in. And then obviously that's what propelled us in 2008 to, to make the run that we did and kind of get things, you know, kicking off for Kansas State basketball again. So a lot of fun and um, great memories. You know, Jacob Pullen, you know, I, I couldn't have told you that he was going to be the all-time leading scorer for Kansas State, but I knew as a freshman he was going to be great. I mean, he just had he had the utmost confidence in himself that you don't see in, in a lot of freshmen stepping into um, college basketball atmosphere, you know, with, with juniors and seniors and, and things of that nature. So, I mean, just the confidence he displayed. And I think, you know, obviously he just grew and continued to get better over there over the four years. And um, you see what, what he was able to do. So a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Definitely. So uh, then with the added spotlight of that first year with, with Bob Huggins, uh, and again, I, I, I remember K-State basketball before then there, there would be good crowds. I think the K-State fan base uh, you know, the, the folks that show up are always loud, but it did really revive a, a very passionate basketball fan base. What do you remember from that uh, first exhibition game that probably didn't go quite as planned 
uh, with the crowd and, and all the, the the spotlight, the hoopla around it. Uh, what do you remember kind of about, okay, hey, this is the Bob Huggins effect, but also I want you to dispel a possible rumor about uh, maybe, you know, what happened during the uh, walkthrough before that exhibition game. It sounds like the rumor has it that uh, it was one of the toughest practice and, and, and you guys didn't have legs. And that might be the reason why uh, it was a maybe a little bit more dramatic ex- exhibition opener uh, during the Huggins era than maybe expected. Yeah, and, and you know, and I'm sure during that time, right there, there was a lot of, as you mentioned, hoopla around the basketball team and and Bob Huggin, Huggyville, right? Like he came automatically as Huggyville, and you know, he, he does a, such a great job um, with getting the the fan base, you know, interactive and 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 you know, loving the product that's put out there on the court, and um, you know, so th- there was a lot of expectations, you know, and we knew it. I mean, we got new jerseys that year. I remember in our like Midnight Madness thing, we busted out some new jerseys, had the black jerseys. And, uh, of course, this is back when, you know, shorts went beyond the kneecap. You know, now they barely go beyond the thigh. Um, but it, it was it was, it was just there was a lot of expectation. Um, and so we knew that, you know, we wanted to play really well. We wanted to live up to that expectation. Uh, and, and, you know, unfortunately, that, that first game, uh, you know, we, we did have a very tough and hard practice, not shoot around, practice right before the game. Right before the game, um, and 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 that that's also when we knew like, yeah, this shoot around this is different, right? Because we use the shoot arounds. You're get some shots up, you know, make sure you can fill the ball. You're ready, to, ready to score the basketball. You're gonna go over the other team's, you know, plays that you already went over in practice. All right, let's make sure we know these actions and how we're gonna guard it, how we're gonna guard these individual players. Um, but it's very, you know, slower paced, and, and you know, you don't want to get anyone hurt. You don't, you know, kind of just kind of going through it and. It wasn't like that at all. It was a full-blown practice, and you better go hard. You better take the charge. You better, you know, you better guard. And and so, um, you know, we, we maybe didn't have our legs that, that first game. Uh, you know, lucky enough that uh, we had enough to, to pull it out. But uh, it was uh, it was interesting, definitely interesting. And uh, I'm glad, you know, it's, I think it was just a tone setter. And I think Huggins wanted to make sure that uh, we were not too comfortable with all of the hoopla around it. Like we have to go and we have to go play well, right? So don't get caught up in everything else. Um, get caught up in how well we can go execute, how well we can go play, how well we can defend. Everything else will work itself out, you know, and, and that's what people are going to fall in love with. So um, it definitely was an aha moment. One of the biggest meltdowns as a K-State fan my entire life was you guys not getting into the NCAA tournament that year. I believe it was the first time that a a team in the Big 12 had finished fourth place with 20 wins and didn't make the NCAA tournament. Um, Do you remember, Did you were you guys watching the selection show together? What was the mood like uh, when that came through that you guys were not going to make the NCAA tournament? Devastating. It was... was, um... Yeah, so we were all together, and we're at a restaurant, and of course, we're expecting to make it. You know, it wasn't like, you know, we weren't thinking of, oh, we're on the bubble, we don't know. I mean, it, it was, like you said, all right, 20 wins, fourth place in the Big 12, um, the screen goes by, and Texas Tech gets in. Texas Tech was the fifth place team who we beat in the conference tournament, you know, the the night before, two night, whatever, you know, before, and so... If they're in, well, we're surely in. We're good. Where are we going, right? And so that was the mindset. Um, and then to see that we did not get in, you know, just it was devastating, you know. And, and I know Huggins was, uh, you know, was was heartbroken for us, you know, because, you know, he knew how much work we put in that entire year to have the opportunity to go play in the NCAA tournament. 
Um, and then obviously for him, he had expectations of, of being in, you know, coaching in the NCAA tournament. And so it was hard and, um, you know, but, uh, we, we really had to kind of re, um, energize ourselves and, and regroup, you know, as, as we accepted the NIT bid and obviously had a few more home games, um, but it was hard. I mean, it's telling you know, when you have the expectation of making an NCAA tournament and then you don't, um, it really is hard to flip that switch of like, okay, we still have some games to play because you're still thinking about we should be playing in, in the big tournament, right? And so, you know, then we came out and, you know, barely got by, I think, William and Mary and then ended up losing to DePaul, you know, at home. But I think a lot of that was to the, you know, the mindset of, you know, we wanted to be in the NCAA tournament. That's where, you know, that's where our heart was. That's where our head was. And then that's where we thought we should have been. Huggins then leaves her West Virginia. Uh, not a fun day for any K-State fan. I'm sure it wasn't a fun day for you guys. But quickly, it, it turns to Frank and the recruiting class sticks together. What, what do you remember from that, you know, kind of, you know, four-week period? Okay, Huggins gone, Frank's the guy, and it sounds like all the recruits are staying uh, with Frank. What was that four-week period like for you guys, uh, you know, the established players on the team? It was wild, you know, and 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 – for Huggins, you know, opportunity to go back home to West Virginia, you know, it was, it'd be hard for him to turn that down. And he, he mentioned to us, you know, this is the only place I, I would leave after one year. And, um, you know, they, they came and, and got him. Uh, I know Bill Walker, he came to Kansas State because of Bob Huggins, right? And so he was probably the most outspoken during that time when Huggins came in and, and talked to, you know, we all sat down in the locker room. Uh, Huggins is kind of at the head of the locker room and he told us, you know, hey, here's what's happening. Here's where I'm going. Um, here's why I'm going there, you know, opportunity to go back home, closer to family, things of that nature. Um, you know, it, Bill was not happy at all, you know, and then, and, and I, and I felt for him and, um, you know, I, I do remember us leaving that locker room and it was like, it was almost like we raided the locker room. I mean, we pictures we were like, give me this picture, give me that picture. Where's my jerseys at? <laughs> you know, it was, it was, it was a wild time because we just didn't expect it. Right. It, it went from us thinking we're going to be an NCAA tournament then playing in NIT to then the guy that, you know, has been the, the leader for us and got us over, you know, as we felt get, got us over the hump on just leaving after one year. Um, you know, so for, as a player, some of that felt like, you know, betrayal, right? Like, Oh man, you're betraying us and you're leaving. Um, but you know, we really had to step back and just, you know, understand that it was the the circumstance, the timing, you know, it, it worked out, you know, well for him and he had to do what was best for him and his family and, and, and what was kind of in his heart, you know? And, and so, um, you know, like I said, it all worked out and it gave coach Martin his first head coaching job, you know? And so I think that was really big. And I know a lot of that played into being able to keep the staff together to keep, you know, Beasley coming in, Pullen coming in, Dominique Sutton, Ron Anderson, um, you know, those guys that all committed to us. Um, so it, it was awesome for coach Martin. And obviously you've seen the things he's been able to do, you know, over the last, what, 15 years or, or, or so, um, you know, and give him that first opportunity and then keep those guys in there was, was a great, it was a great transition for us. And other thing too, is people might not know, but Huggins, he set, you know, he, he really did do a good job of setting Frank up for the opportunity. Um, and, you know, in practice, he, he gave a lot to Frank where Frank was ready to take over as a head coach, you know, and, and so it wasn't like he didn't prepare someone to backfill him or to step in. He prepared Frank, you know, to get ready for the opportunity. Obviously the opportunity came earlier than what Huggins probably, you know, thought it would, um, but Frank was ready for it. And uh, he took it and ran with it. We've had Jacob Pullen. We've had Bill Henry Walker on the show and hearing, uh, you know, through their eyes that, that season and some of the hijinks, cause you know, these are, you know, 18, 19 year old kids, 
uh, coming in, you know, ESPN, all the, all this hype around that team. Uh, what was it like for you? Uh, you know, th- there's always uh, the, the fun part about that. I think that was the most well-documented K-State basketball season. Cause you can go on YouTube to this day, you know, it's, it's you, Mike, Jacob, Bill sitting there, Mike talking to the iPod, you guys eating chicken nuggets, you know, dunking on mini goals, you know, on KSNT news. It's still all out there on uh, YouTube. What was it like for you? The listeners have heard, you know, the hijinks, you know, Bill, you know, shooting Jacob Pullen, you know, in the face with an airsoft gun, chipping his tooth, all sorts of the stuff going on in Haymaker Hall. You know, you you talked about you've been dating your now wife, probably pretty serious. Of course, a lot of folks probably remember your senior year going through a lot more uh, real life stuff uh, than, you know, these 18, 19 year old kids. So what was that season like for you uh, with all those hijinks going on? And then like, Hey, you're, you're a grown man. You're, you're dealing with real world stuff. What was that season like for you? Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, when Frank took over, one of the very first things that that's out there is, is a, um, it was, it was a poster that was made of, of Beasley, Bill, uh, Jacob and me. And it's kind of interesting that, that I'm on there with three freshmen, right? I mean, Bill was obviously played the year before, but um, towards ACL. So he was reclassified as a, as a freshman. Um, but uh, in that poster, it says the foundation for this program has been laid. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that we will succeed. Right. And it's all of us. And it's just our backs kind of walking. Um, it's obviously Frank's quote. Um, and, and, and that's how, that's how I felt. And I know um, those guys were, you know, new coming in. Um, but, you know, as a veteran, uh, you know, being my senior year, um, I knew that I was a a calm, steady voice, you know, and then I even got the nickname, you know, from Frank as a steady stew, you know, steady stew. And, um, and so for me, it was, it was, you know, how could I pro- provide, you know, just advice to these guys, right? I mean, obviously the talent, you know, Beasley's way more talented than I am, you know, Jacob's tremendously talented, Bill's tremendously talent, talented. And so what experiences have I had over the, the previous three years that can just help their talent um, uh, continue to excel on the court, you know, and, and understand just kind of different aspects of the season, you know, and then being a college athlete and, and things that we're going to see, uh, you know, obviously it's different non-conference than to what we get in when we get in the big 12, like the scouting's different, you know, um, the looks we're going to get are going to be different. Um, and so for me, it was really, um, you know, just trying to help those guys out, you know, as a captain, as a senior, um, be a calming voice but also knew my job, right? And my job was to get the ball to Michael Beasley right? as much as possible, right? Get the ball to Bill Walker as much as possible, you know? And, and I was comfortable with that, right? Because I knew that those guys did have the tremendous talent and I was comfortable in my role to help us win basketball games. And so I always try to reiterate that to them. Like, hey, Mike, man, if you're open and I miss you, like, let me know, like, tell me, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get you the ball, right? And so, um, you know, having um, just that trust and, you know, in one another, um, and I think for me being a senior, you know, them saying that I trusted them, you know, obviously with Jacob coming in, a lot of people could say, well, you know, he's a point guard, you're a point guard, you know, is there, there conflict there? And there really wasn't, you know, it was, it was I want to win, you know, and, and uh, you know, part of that season, even when Jacob did come in, we played together and he played the one, I played the two, right? And it was, all right, and you have a freshman point guard out there with a veteran, um, you know, shooting guard, you know, semi, you know, point guard number two, however you want to put it, um, to kind of help him through you know, some of those things that he might see on the court. And so, um, you know, I, I knew my role. Um, it was a lot of fun and um, it, it was a lot of shenanigans for sure with 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 the SpongeBob themed and, and Mike SpongeBob pants and, 
you know, uh, microphones, as you mentioned, sitting across at the media table and, and Mike not knowing microphones are on or off and what is this and how does this work? And, um, you know, but it was a lot of fun. And I think part of that, too, is they kept me youthful as well. Right. Uh, you know, because Mike would say I'm the grandpa. Right. And, but they kept me youthful in, in those moments as well. So that was that was that was really cool. and A lot of fun. We're going to have to get you on again because I have a million questions about that season. But before we move on and talk about, uh, you know, your your five-star recruits, uh, you know, maybe you need to, you know, get him watching some SpongeBob himself, uh, keep that five-star uh, tradition alive at K-State. I want to ask about the KU game that broke the streak and then, uh, you know, another streak that folks don't talk about went, went so long without an NCAA win that went over USC with O.J. Mayo over there. First with the uh, game versus KU, what do you remember from that night? I think uh, every K-State fan claims they were there, even, you know, there was like 13,000, 14,000, one of the most iconic nights in the modern era of K-State basketball. What do you remember from that game, finally beating KU for the first time in Bramlage? Yeah, January 30th, 2008, and um, you know, we we went into that game, and and if people remember, Mike said at the very beginning of the season, we'll beat them here, there everywhere in Africa, overseas, like, you know, Mike, Mike made a statement that, uh, we had to back up, <laughs> you know, and, um, uh, you know, but it, it was just, it was a tremendous, you know, game for us. You know, I think KU was number two at the time, I think, and maybe we were ranked 24, um, you know, and, and having the opportunity there at home, um, you know, we knew we had the best player on the floor and, and Beasley, we know we had Bill Walker who, uh, you know, was top two or three player on the floor as well. Um, obviously, KU had a tremendous team that year. They go on and win the national championship, um, but but we knew that you know we could pull it out and we could we could beat them. Um, but we knew also we had to play well, you know. Then and, and you know they they are who they are because of how well they consistently play. And we had to go out there and match their energy and exceed it. And we had to make shots, you know. And um, guys stepped up. You know, Mike had a big game. Uh, Bill had some really big moments in that game. Jacob Pullen scored the ball tremendously, especially down the stretch, made some really good decisions uh, in that game. I think I maybe had 10 points in that game. And so it, it was, we knew it was going to be, uh, you know, multiple guys were going to have to step up and, and propel us to the win. And, and we were lucky enough that we were able to do that, uh, come out 84, 75, I think, win in that game. And for me personally, you know, it, it was, it's, 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 it's bigger. For me, it was always bigger than basketball. And, and because, um, you know, that game, after the game, uh, one thing Coach Martin gave me the uh, the, the game ball, um, and, and you know I have all the players signed it. I still have that ball. It's actually at my dad's house in the case um, from that game. Um, but that also was the last game that my mom was able to be there and watch me play play basketball. And um, as she passed away, you know, five six days later, and so uh, it, it was just it was a tremendous game for me and and for her to be able to see me uh, in that atmosphere and see that atmosphere for us to beat KU at home in the streak. Um, you know, if there's going to be, you know, one last game that she'd be able to see, you know, I'm, I'm glad and I'm just very thankful that that was the one that she was able to see. So it always hold a tremendous spot in my heart. And, um, you know, and, and like I said, I was just so happy to be able to do it with the K-State community and our teammates and, and Coach Martin and uh, in the streak. Definitely. And then you guys do make the NCAA tournament, getting to play USC in Omaha in front of a bunch of K-State fans. Uh, OJ Mayo on the other side, again, that was the big talking point that build up because at one point committed to K-State, uh, you know, I, I don't know if there was much trash talk going on between Mike and him because, again, childhood friends, but what was it like playing on the biggest stage against, again, an, another high-profile player, and then you guys got the win 
ending another very long streak, uh, you know, between K-State getting a win in the NCAA tournament. What do you remember from that game? Yeah, and that game was, you know, we were the, you know, quote-unquote underdog, right? I think we were 11, they were 6, you know, coming in. But once again, you know, when you have Michael Beasley on your team, um, it doesn't matter what the number says besides your name. And so, uh, you know, we, we knew if he played well and we were able to support him, you know, and make some shots around him, you know, we had an opportunity to win. And um, he got in foul trouble early uh, in that game, but was able to, you know, Frank did a great job of kind of putting him in on offense, taking him out on defense. Um, Bill stepped up and then scored the basketball. Um, Jacob played really well again. And and so uh, we knew we had an opportunity, but just being on that stage and in that environment and making the NCAA tournament, you know, I still feel for, those guys that were seniors my junior year when we made, you know, Cartier Martin and Lance Harris, because I wish I was really close to those guys. And I wish they would have had the opportunity to play in the NCAA tournament um, because that's something that will always, I will always remember, um, you know, just, just having that opportunity to do that. But for, for me too, the, the, the crazy part about that, that season and after that game, so we win that game. Um, and then we play Wisconsin and Wisconsin. I mean, I feel like they just had a, um, man, farm fed, big guys that just bullied on them. I mean, it was, it was a brutal game. Um, but I always tell people, I say, so, so that whole year, you know, how it kind of ended, you know, what do you remember? And I said, well, if we would have beat Wisconsin, then we would have played Davidson who had Steph Curry. And I could always say I played against Steph Curry, you know, and hopefully I guarded Steph Curry and beat Steph Curry. Now, I don't know, you know, he might have broke my ankles a few times. Um, but you know, it would have been so cool to move on because we would have played, you know, Davidson. And obviously if we end up beating them, we would have played KU, you know? And so it was, it would have been a wild um, opportunity if we could have got, got past Wisconsin, but unfortunately that wasn't meant to be, but um, very fun game against USC. And then glad we were able to come out with that win. Yeah. I hate Wisconsin. They ended your K-State career, Bill, Mike, then later on a few years later, Jake, Kurt. Uh, so I, I hate Wisconsin. I never want to see them play basketball again. Uh, my least favorite basketball team outside of big 12 rivals. I, I'm sure you hate them even more than I do. Um, let's kind of move on. I, I, I told you before this, Hey, I, I want to talk to you about your career. Uh, but, but I think the reason why I think you, you've done some K-State media lately is, oh yeah, ho-hum, uh, just another K-State five-star, the first one since Wally Judge to come to K-State, your player, David Castillo. Um, not only has he been a prolific scorer for you, an elite player in Oklahoma high school basketball, not only tearing it up on the AAU EYPL circuit, not only representing Team USA being one of the star players in the FIBA U-17 World Cup, yeah. Uh, this guy seems to win. He seems to get buckets. He seems to be prolific no matter what the stage is. Uh, what's so special about David and what what should K-State fans be looking forward to here? I, I guess what, in about, uh, it'd be 18 months, he, he'd be getting close to getting to campus. So what, what can K-State fans hope to expect out of uh, the five-star that you've mentored? And I'm sure you take all the credit for him turning into the player he is today. <laughs> Right, right, right. Man, I'll tell you, uh, I'm so excited for him and just so excited that, that he has the opportunity to go play at the next level. You know, this is a dream for for him, you know, since I, I moved to Bartlesville in 2008. Um, I think I met him maybe later that year, 2009. I mean, he's a two, three-year-old kid at that point in time. I coached his older brother um, in high school and AAU ball. Um, and so I, I knew David, I've known David for a long time. 
um, and just knew that he was always working towards, you know, his goal was to play college basketball. Like he, that was one of his goals. Right. And so, um, you know, just him having the opportunity of seeing that goal come to fruition. I've seen this kid put in so much work, you know, in the gym uh, in early mornings, late nights, um, you know, I mean, just getting shots up all the time, working on his game, working on his ball handling, um, you know, and so to see that come to fruition, I think it's just it's just amazing, you know, especially, like I said, being in a, in a we're a 6A school, but, um, you know, we graduate about 400 or so to 450, and we play against teams out of Tulsa, they're graduating, you know, 1,500 kids, 1,200 kids a year, and so um, being in a smaller community, smaller 6A school, and for what he's been able to do and, and, and accomplish, it's just been amazing. Um, and, you know, we've been along, you know, just kind of on the journey with him and on that ride with him. And so he's just a tremendous kid. You know, he's a kid that that puts hard work and, and um, first and foremost, um, you know, very humble kid. As you mentioned, has two two gold medals now. Um, you know, he's just, um, you know, he's one that I think K-State fans are just going to fall in love with. Not only his ability on the floor, but, um, you know, th- what he does off the floor. I mean, he loves the community. He loves fans. He loves people. Um, you know, I think he's going to be one that will be a fan favorite you know for sure and you know obviously five-star talent you know that kind of speaks for itself and what he's able to do there you know he's just coming off uh, EYBL session this past weekend where he shot like 48 percent from three um you know 26 in our last game seven for 11 from three I mean he's playing really well right now in the summer ball and on the summer circuit um, but I mean this kid works and works and works and works you know and that's that, that's the biggest thing about him you know I think some of that you know being here in Bartlesville you know, and him being humble, you know, and then kind of living a different lifestyle than maybe some five-star kids uh, live or get, especially when you think about kids coming out of Texas and out of Dallas, where, I mean, there's just so much media, um, you know, social media stuff, you know, all those kids. And David's kind of one that's always been, you know, behind closed doors in the gym. I'm just going to work. I don't care about, you know, all that stuff. I'm going to work and I'm going to continue to get better and continue to work on my craft. You know, and I think as he's gotten older, you know, now where he's at, he's put in so much work to get to where he's at and knowing that now he can has the opportunity to go play college basketball. But only that he had an opportunity to choose where he wanted to go, which, you know, a lot of kids don't get that. Um, You know, I think now he even sees bigger and beyond, you know, and he's like, all right, I want to bring a, you know, a a national championship to to Kansas State, a national championship to Coach Tang. And and then I want to go and I want to play in the the NBA and I want to win an NBA championship, you know. And so he has so many things. And I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because, you know, he's still a kid. Um, But there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to put in as much work as he can to go achieve those goals. You know, he's not one that's going to shortchange anything. I mean, he's going to get every ounce of um, ability out of himself that he can get. And, and that's what that's what's so exciting and me having the opportunity to coach him throughout these, you know, past, I guess, three years. And then, like I said, even knowing him a lot, you know, a lot longer than that, um, I'm just happy for him and happy for, you know, my alma mater in K-State to be able to get him. And uh, I know he's going to do great things. Maybe one of the perks of him going there, you might be able to get some of those uh, coaches only quarter zips that, you know, set the, you know, Twitter on fire. <laughs> I, I do want to ask because you're probably in one of the most unique situations. I don't think I'll get anyone on this show who will be able to kind of uh, give us a peek behind the curtain on how not only coach Jerome Tang, but the entire staff, how they go about recruiting. Uh, you know, what What was it like for you to experience uh, them coming into your community, into your gym, recruiting uh, your star player? And what, what do you think might set them 
uh, apart from uh, other coaching staffs because again you know it's your alma mater my alma mater we're cheering for purple we want we want to see them cut down some nets so uh what what sets them apart from maybe some of the other coaching staffs uh, that make you think okay these guys are the real deal um genuine and authentic you know and when he coach tang came in and and brought his entire staff to bartlesville they flew in you know it's 10 o'clock at night and um you know they they stayed for about an hour and a half and we're standing in our our gym just talking and you know me david uh david's dad nate i think his mom his brother i'm um, an entire coaching staff tang coach perry um malagy um and um uh coach Jareen, yeah Jareen. and and you know we're standing there and just talking about tang's vision and then talking about um you know what he foresees uh for this previous year, right? Because this was back in October. So it was what he kind of perceived for this last year, but then also how he saw David fit into their vision long-term. Authentic. I mean, just genuine, you know, and it was, it was almost, you know, you heard, we heard a lot about Coach Tang, you know, and for me, even though I'm a former player, right? I'm also a fan, right? And so when, when he got hired, you know, people wanted to so what do you think? I'm like, well, I don't know. You know, I, I think he's going to be a really good coach, but I don't know him, you know what I'm saying? And so um, you know, everything I'm hearing is great, but I've, I haven't met him and I don't know him, you know, as, as of yet. And, um, you know, and then him coming in and literally when you have a first conversation with him, you feel like you know him. I mean, it's like, okay, you know, just the genuineness there. And so um, I knew, like I said, it was going to be special. And he told David, we're sitting there and he said, you know, our goal is to win a national championship, you know, or it's to win a big 12 championship, and win a national championship. And he said, I'm not talking about in two or three years. I'm talking about this year. And, you, and now this is, you know, October. And you think about it, it's like, well, wait a second now. All right. You got Marquise Noel, right? You got, you know, you obviously got Keontae Johnson and you and basically got a bunch of guys that just, you, you know, they were outcasts at other schools, right? That didn't get to play a lot as much as they thought they could have or that they wanted, you know, at other schools or, you know, Desi Seals, a fifth year guy, you know. And so it was like, you're talking this year, like, how is that going to, you know, the reality is like, how is that going to happen? It's like, just watch and see. It's going to happen. Watch and see, you know, and, and and to see what they did with those players and the growth of those players throughout the year, you know, and how, um, how the coaching staff really just unlocked, uh, you know, Noel's ability and, you know, obviously Keontae Johnson and, and making an elite eight, you know, I think David for him, it was like, okay, like this, they, they believe, you know, and they know what they're doing and they know how to get the most out of their players, you know, on the floor and they're all in, you know? And so um, it was just big, man. It is really big. And I'm so happy that, um, you know, coach Tang had as much success as, as he did in this, in this year one, of course, we all know when you, when you have success, it only, breeds you know or wants for for more success you know and so um, now they're trying to you know kind of reestablish the team with with the guys that we've lost and, and things of that nature but um you know i just I, I love it man i love it it's great for k-state and what he's doing not only on the court but getting the fans involved um getting the community k-state community involved the alumni invo involved um you know former players you know he's like hey here's my cell phone number text me you know and and then call me, you know, and I mean, it's not like, okay, text me, I'll get back to you in a week. It's, you know, text me and I'll respond within 24 hours, you know, it's, um, and so it's just, it's amazing, man. And, um, you know, man of faith, it's been great for Kansas State as a whole. Definitely. Well, I think I, I've kept you longer than I said I was going to. I have, I have four fun questions to end us on. Um, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. 
Uh, I think during either your your freshman or sophomore years, you guys had an attempt at the two tone lavender and uh, dark purple shorts. Is that correct? I see that smile. Did, did, that is, is my correct. memory serving me correctly? That is that is correct. I wish I could have wore that that two tone. We never we were trying to wear it, and some things didn't work out, or some we couldn't wear it. Um, and uh, I, I regret not being able to wear the lavender jerseys now. <laughs> well, so so they've become cool. But since you didn't, you know, you, you had the Woldridge jerseys, you have the uh, black, white, and purple cat scratch. And then I think towards the end of your senior year, I think we call them the racing stripe, the black and the white. Uh, so of, of those, I, I guess that would be what, seven uniforms that you got to wear in a game. Of those seven, what was your number one favorite? Um, You know, uh... The, the cat scratch jerseys, those were really unique at that point in time. Um, so I really did love those. Now I look back, though, and those jerseys were huge. <laughs> and I still have them, and I, they do not fit at all. The, the shorts do not fit. Um, I think the uh, racing stripe ones were a little bit more form-fitting. And so um, I'll have to go with, with those as my favorite. All right. Of the current uniforms that K-State is rocking, which one are you most excited to see David rock, uh, you know, once he gets on campus? Which of the, uh, I guess it's what, they have the la all lavender, they have the dark shorts, the regular purple, the throwback whites, the regular whites, and the black. So so which of those are you most excited to see him rock? I'll tell you that the lavender one is, is definitely my favorite. And uh, when he went on his official visit, and uh, I was able to be there when he went on a special visit, my wife as well. And she told him at that point in time, you look great in purple, you know, you look great in lavender. And so um, hopefully that, that stuck with them a little bit. And uh, maybe that was the reason why he chose K-State. So. <laughs> uh, besides the K two KU games, your junior and senior year, which game in Bramlage that you played had the best atmosphere? Oh man. In Bramlage. I think back here. Some good ones. Man. That's, that's hard to choose. <laughs> that is really, I mean, really, you, really you got to see the, the before and the after, really the birth of the Octagon of Doom uh, being a real thing. I think I think it actually was created almost as a joke uh, in, the, in the Jim Woldridge era because, you know, they beat a couple – you guys got a couple teams – uh, you know, in the Woldridge era in Bramlage, and it kind of started off as a joke, but really took on a life of its own during those two years. So there's a, I mean, hell, there's probably 10, 20 games that had some pretty crazy atmospheres in there. Yeah, it really was. And anytime we played, I feel like anytime we played Iowa State at home was was always pretty fun. Um, I don't know, maybe just some kind of, you know, rivalry there um, with Iowa State, especially back, back then. And so, um, those games were fun. And of course, going to Iowa State was always hard at, and held magic and stuff as well. So um, I'd probably say say those. I'm trying to think back. Um, Oklahoma, you know, te Texas, um, you know, we, we won at Texas my junior year. Um, but at home, we lost to them my sophomore year by one. And then I think we lost to them my senior year because they had DJ Augustine, I think, that year. Yes. And I remember I had to guard him and that wasn't fun at all. <laughs> so, so I can't remember the atmosphere because I just remember sucking wind trying to guard DJ Augustine off of every single screen, the ball screen that he came off of every single time down the court. <laughs> Final one, it, it is, uh, you know, it's a debate. No one debates whether or not Jacob Poland should be up in the rafters. 
I, I hope you're on the right answer of this one. Uh, but the debate of should Michael Beasley go up in the rafters as a one and done, what is your answer to that? No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. You know, and you think about what he did within that one year, 26 and 12, um, you know, and people, when we saw Kevin Durant the year before, it's like, okay, we're not going to see anything like that again. Well, Michael actually put up better numbers than Kevin Durant did. It's not talked about, but he did, you know, and so what he did in that one year, you know, at Kansas State, um, you know, really, you know, propelled us and propelled the Wildcats into great things in the future. And people still talk about, you know, what he did within that one year. And so no doubt in my mind, for sure. I love it. Well, I'll give you the opportunity to say anything you want to the boneheads. That's what we call the uh, fans of our, okay. our show yeah. and any K-State fans, because I'm sure we're going to get even a few extra thousand listens to this one than we usually do. So say anything you want to anyone listening and then uh, we'll call it a night. Yeah. So I actually, I do have some things. So I have two things. One is I'm looking forward to, uh, I'll be playing. I don't know if people saw this, but J.O. put out a tweet uh, a couple weeks ago about a K-State KU alumni game. It's going to be in Kansas City, I think, June 9th and 10th. Uh, 9th will be like a family night and then June 10th. And so I, I reached out to J.O. and he's like, hey, come play. I'm like, well, let me start stretching now. <laughs> um, I play a little bit with my guys, but uh, definitely not an everyday thing. And so I'm really looking forward to getting out there and, um, you know, playing with with some of the K-State alumni. And obviously a lot of guys that, that went to KU I know and played against when, when, I, when I was there. And so um, that's going to be fun. So definitely K-State Nation come out and support the Wildcats and that in Kansas City. Um, and then the other thing is, uh, and talking to J.O. and Martavis Irvin and, and Ryan Deppin, um, we're looking forward to the TBT Purple and Black that's coming up uh, this summer as well. And I'll be, uh, and Curtis Kelly, and, and I'll be helping coach um, that group of teams. So we're now having discussions about that. And uh, for sure, if there's any alumni or, um, uh, you know, donors that are looking forward to helping out um, the Purple and Black team, you know, get in touch with me or, or J.O. Or, or Martavis Irving and, uh, you can just look us up on Twitter. It's probably the easiest way and DM us because uh, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun summer. And, um, you know, for me, it'll be my first opportunity to, to be involved in it. So I'm I'm really excited and uh, it's going to be fun. Well, that, that's some breaking news right there. So it, <laughs> folks, we're, we're in the Kansas City area. So we will be in the gym. We'll definitely be there to see you guys take on the KU alum in the Kansas City area in June, looking forward to see you hoop. Looking forward to seeing your first involvement with the, the TBT Purple and Black. Uh, so thanks for, for uh, breaking a little news for us, Clint. Hey, breaking news. Any way I can break it, you're the first to hear it. So uh, I actually had to talk. I, I texted uh, J.O. And, and, and Tay uh, a little bit before. this, like, hey, can I can I share this information? Like, yes, go ahead, do it. Like, all right, let's, let's, let's share it then. So I'm glad to be able to break that news. Well, perfect. We're, we're going to have to get you on a, a few more times. We're going to have to make you a recurring guest, and we might have to get you on before TBT to give a little preview of the guys. Uh, but that's all we have. I, I think I said I was only going to keep you for you know a half hour, and it's closer to an hour. So I appreciate you being so generous with your time. Well, there you go. All right, folks, that's all we have. Again, everyone, we, we, we'll make sure to tag Clint in this uh, on Twitter when we post it. Everyone tell him, hey, come on, Bosco's boys you know, every other week. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but make sure, make sure to show him some love on Twitter and thanks again for coming on. So for Clint, for my dog, Chauncey, who's been a good boy, has not disrupted the show. Uh, we love you guys and go cats. All right. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. Hail to the purple, hail to the white, wild cat in spirit. Why?
to see. Onward forever, hail victory. Ba-dum, 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 ba fight UK State Wildcats for alma mater fights. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be a fighting and a fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. UK State Wildcats for alma mater. Fight, 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 fight. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be. Fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Go State! One, two. Podcast Network.